Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Okay, so uh, last episode I had posed the question, with this particular playoff format, do you think that media coverage for both conferences will be more equal than in previous years? Because those of us who have lived on the West Coast know that it is very not equal. As the only everyone has spent time on the East Coast, but as the only person who wasn't raised on West Coast sports, uh, yeah, East Coast bias is a thing. But I am hoping if they can eliminate the 1030 Eastern puck drops, then yes, I think coverage will improve. Well, given by uh, given the number of East Coast riders that I have seen completely grousing and fetching and whatever else you want to say on Twitter about how tired they are because they've had to stay up so late, past your little bedtime, they haven't been able to put on their Toronto Leafs jammies and crawl into bed <laughs> at a reasonable hour. Wait, then, John Tavares uh, is part of the media? Yeah, well, pretty much. And and they've and they've had to get up super early because there's daytime hockey. I'm hoping that yes, where there will be. I mean, I've already seen a few instances of people going, "Wow, this team or this and or player is a lot better than I was led to believe." Or, hey, these guys are pretty fun to watch, and the number that are suddenly bandwagoning, you know teams like the avalanche has been quite entertaining yeah i mean it's it, i'm not thinking so much of like the 10 30 start games because no one's on the east coast no one's going to like enjoy those anyway there's always going to be complaints about those and rightfully so for some people but um we do have games stretched out all day long now and so there's still a couple of Western Conference like games at reasonable times on the East Coast, so that's kind of where I was going with that. Was that now now that those teams and players are more visible at a reasonable hour for those those delicate um, East Coast media types, um, you know the the maybe they'd actually you know get to see what the other side looks like. I'm just grateful that they played uh, Arizona and Nashville a lot during the daytime because it meant I had fewer distractions, so I got to enjoy it because that might have been the most fun of the four Western Conference qualifiers, even though they all ended in, you know, the same result. The team won three, three games to one. Yeah, Toronto was the only one that didn't actually like you know do what they were supposed. They they did not follow the script Friday. Oh, but aren't they following the script? They're getting everyone's hopes up and in, in in anticipation of a final game. Just choke job. Isn't that their narrative? According yes. to the media, but well, to everybody not. else, yes. <laughs> of course not, because the media has a the memory span of a gnat. I mean, this isn't Boston where they're supposed to lose in game seven, but and I don't even remember how long their series against Washington went, however many years whatever the star date was for that series. Ugh. Time is an illusion right now. Flat circle. Yeah, I... I mean, Toronto had to, like, eke it out to today. <laughs> the last game of today so that they could get all the attention from everybody without having to, like without having to have fans or media 
choose between them. I thought that was a that was nicely done for somebody. <laughs> well, given the um, round robin games that we've seen the past four or five hours, um, I'm glad that's the late game, one that I can dedicate more more time to. Because um, these games have been, um, I, I don't know if I would say they are worse than January pre All Star game or All Star break games, but they're they're not. I'd rather watch golf right now. Let me put it to you that way. You hush your dirty mouth. I mean, Boston was acting like a team that wanted to golf, but the narrative will be for the next 48 hours. Oh, they'll, they know when to turn it on because they have four guys that were on a cup winning team almost a decade ago, but they know how to turn it on. Mm -hmm. I mean, the same narrative, the same narrative they used for Chicago. Mm -hmm. No, see Chicago. Well, Yes, that's the narrative that he used for Chicago, but the real reason was um, one-dimensional team and a quote-unquote smarty-pants coach who had God knows how much time to prepare for a matchup against two or three players on the Oilers. Let's see how they do with little to no preparation against Vegas. Okay, so you want proof that the Toronto media has the memory of a gnat? We don't need proof, but go ahead and share. No, I mean, Game 6 against the Bruins in 2013. The infamous Game 7 meltdown, right? Game 6, they were down one nothing going into the, just at the start of the third. I mean, it was tied 0-0 going into the third. And they found a way to win by scoring two goals in the third period, thanks to Phil the Kill Thressel, and of all people, Dion Phaneuf. But they, that was a do-or-die situation. They lose their out type scenario, and they clawed and fought the valiant Toronto-Ontario <laughs> way to stave off elimination to get to Game 7 where they imploded. So, yeah. Yes, I get the I get the the optics of them being down three nothing going into the third and carving a you know clutching a victory from the jaws of their own self imposed defeat makes a good hashtag narrative, but it's Toronto. Um, <clears throat> so I, I just had to go look up a couple of things to bring that back up. But on the on the subject of <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> how sad is it that Dave Tippett, Dave Tippett could not get that team after two training camps, could not get that team to play a mind-numbing stifling, smothering like an Italian grandmother defense. This is Dave Tippett? The guy who choked the life out of every team he's coached defensively? You're going to play defense or I'm going to kill you. And the Oilers just looked awful on coverage everywhere. I don't think Jeremy Colleton had anything to do with them winning. There wasn't any magnificent plan. They gave the Oilers no grand scheme other than go get the puck low, drop it up high. Oh, hey, they're not coming up here. Okay, fire a shot from the point and cause chaos. And oh, by the way, goal. Uh. I didn't mean to imply Carlton had any, deserves any credit for that win. I'm just thinking he was smart enough to do a couple things right on like Tippett apparently with all that, you know, runway to plan. Because let's be honest, Chicago didn't look great either. It was just 
Oh God, you know? no! In in the Battle of Chaos, uh, Chaos won. Yeah. And that's because one team with supposedly the structure-minded coach played with absolutely no structure. Which leads me into the whole number 12, number 11 seeds making it to the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, for me, this indicates that there is no connection to the regular season whatsoever with this this little tournament. And so... It just kind of like underlines for me how this really should have been all 31 teams. Because, come on, Detroit had just as much of a chance to make it into the playoff as anybody else. <laughs> I mean, you, you effectively had an entire off season and a shortened training camp to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. So, by for all intent and purposes, this was a new season. Which is why I thought from the start that it should be all 31 teams. But I know that that would have added, what, like two more weeks to the whole playing thing, but... Yeah, because everyone had Montreal making the playoffs, especially after they sold at the deadline, right? Yeah. Oh, of course. Exactly. And everyone knew that Chicago was destined to play the goal, the good goalie that they traded at the deadline mm-hmm. in the first oh. round. God, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Is oh, and, any- and don't forget the underdog Arizona Coyotes. They get it in there. They were just fun. You know what? I that was one series. I was like, eh, you know, and it kept getting bounced around. Right? That was yes. the redheaded stepchild of hockey coverage. It's <laughs> here's where we're going to place you while some guys rest their throats, drink their tea. Before this other game that they need to do. Well, it's it's here's the live looking coverage because well, nobody really wants to watch all of this game, right? Yeah. Switch and it, and yeah. <laughs> whomever the produce whoever produced those games that they took the the feeds from NBC's truck in Toronto and put the package together um, deserves a raise because th- those were the best games to watch visually. They didn't do the standard. Let's let's switch frames midway through the play, or if we're going to show this cool angle, let's do it for more than five seconds at a time, and then go back to you know turning your neck style so, viewing. So really, um, somewhat quick, I stumbled across a very interesting podcast called Inside the Truck, which um, has two very long-term experienced hockey TV broadcast production people. One of them is the current director of the Carolinas games on Fox Sports Carolina, Paul Hemming. Mm -hmm. And this past week, prior to everyone writing their nifty little stories about the sound, you know, the, the guys that are doing the audio, the crowd noises and stuff, they had one of those guys on and started talking about all of the challenges they've had. And I found it terribly entertaining because, to your point about the the camera changes, is all of these guys are working in remote facilities, and with satellite bounces and everything, they have a seven-second delay, you know, when they, when they go to, you know, like, change camera angles or ask for shots. Apparently, they're given, like, one camera per broadcast that they can control themselves for each regional, mm-hmm. you know, like, so the Carolina feed would get one and, um, the Rangers feed would get one, you know, that's their camera type thing. And they can share, you know, the fetal from both of them will come to the, to everyone, but they're controlling that camera. And so they were sort of saying, you know, it's been really, it was really a challenge, you know, to find that timing because you, because you're still dealing with, real-time, like, breaks to commercials or, or ad breaks or stuff like that versus, okay, I need to back up seven seconds and tell this guy I want a bench shot now because it's going gonna, it's gonna to coincide with this overlay I want to put down. So it, it was actually quite entertaining. 
and because that, that was I stumbled across it because I wanted to hear about the um, the reverse audio that was going on that was driving me crazy, and I figured it was what I thought it was, which was their over aggressive profanity filter for on ice audio. And they actually did sort of talk about that a little bit on that on the on the most recent episode. So, because hearing a ref the other day call two minutes for yeah <laughs> on somebody was awesome. Turn off the profanity filter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what we were talking about before I completely derailed everything with that. Oh, hey, look, Corey Perry just got sent to the box for doing something naughty. Um, I, was, I actually did have something related to what you what you were saying, and I just totally lost it. <sighs> because I, uh, I, I, I suffered a, a wide emotional swing this week, and it was my own doing. I should know better than to feel joy for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I can that see I do. that. <laughs> I, uh, like I, like I said on Twitter, and for those that don't follow, that's fine. For those that listen and don't follow, what are you doing? Um, I had to, I had to find a meeting of Ha, Habaholics Anonymous, because I felt the urge to root for the Habs again. Actually, um, which <laughs> ties into Sydney Crosby, Pittsburgh. Um, so when Pittsburgh lost, I, I uh, um, on his, you know, Pittsburgh lost on Sydney Crosby's birthday, and to Montreal, which was his team growing up. But I, I don't know these things. I just read it on Twitter. Um, All these things were true. It was eight seven. <laughs> the only so, reason I know his birthday. Sorry. I couldn't help but like think that um, Pittsburgh's going to win the number one overall pick because of Crosby. <laughs> He'll be the displaced old man versus the up and coming number one overall pick. So guy. Yeah, so what you're saying is Lafreniere is going to end up living in Crosby's basement? Probably, yes. And then... Is Crosby getting an ownership share? The that's, team? Was, that's exactly where I was going next. Lemieux, Maybe. Will, Lemieux will sell his, his interest in the Penguins to Crosby. As a way to defer salary because yep. of COVID? Yep. Yeah, makes sense. And then Brian Burke will still be absolutely irate because, again, you know, Pittsburgh gets the benefit of a quote-unquote rigged draft lottery. Rebuild my something-something. Rebuild my tuchus. They wanted yeah, a draft lottery. Something like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. See, once you say the words, it all just, like, flows out from there. So, you see it all, the whole landscape. <laughs> so it's going to be funny to see how um, overproduced the um, this is a legitimate lottery win video will be that we'll see after the fact. We won't see, you know, balls drawn or a name just picked from a hat, even though all eight teams will have the same odds. We'll get some after the fact video because... Bill Daly's still at home, and he's got to hold up some cards. Flashcards. Now they'll pull him into the studio in Connecticut, the NBC studio in Connecticut. And then they'll do the conference call with the GMs of the eight teams. And then when... So can, Florida, can they lay out those eight GMs like they've done on some, you know... Fan views of, you know, oh, like, the Brady, like, the Brady, like the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch Square? Yep. Hollywood and, Squares. And put, well, see, that's what I was going to say. And you put Alexis Lafreniere right in the middle center square. There you go. And then Bill Daly's at the top. 
<laughs> and then the other eight GMs are on the on the U effectively of the square. Mm-hmm. Best way to do it because when they have shown that view during games, it's best when you show the disappointed fans and yeah. not the excited ones. Oh heck yeah! Because that was still my favorite shot of the round robin. <laughs> the whole thing was the round robin game showing those. Philly fans reacting to the Boston goal with the Boston goal in the center square. That was just beautiful. <laughs> the only good thing Boston had going for it. <laughs> They're not out yet, unfortunately. No. But they play Carolina. Oh, they do? Oh, mm-hmm. That should be interesting. I have no idea what to expect out of a Bruins team because uh, I haven't seen them play yet. So... You aren't missing much. Apparently, they are, and that much. Oh, oh I've seen the their broad- I've seen their broadcasts. I don't know how much of a, oh, for lack of a better term, give a damn they were playing with. I get you. You haven't um, seen them play. Yeah, I don't know if this is just old and tired legs that haven't been able to get going because most of their offense is generated by thirty-something players. Or Pasternak was just kind of mailing it in because, you know, lack of practice due to quarantining. Hmm. Well, we'll get the narrative soon enough about their team, you know, that just is going to turn it on when it counts the most. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's going to get pissy at the Canes fans because, uh, I don't know, because they swept a round that's not really going to go down into any record books. No, it will because it's never they've not done this format before. So yeah, <laughs> the non-play, uh, the non-playoff, the non-playoff playoff. playoff round, yeah. yeah. And just to make it all about the Leafs, you know, uh, from someone in Calgary, they they just threw this on Twitter a few hours ago. Uh, Reimer and Gardner sweeping the Bruins is a serotonin I desperately need. Oh dear God. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get those narratives. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anything that gives J- James Reimer more publicity and Jake Gardner is a good hockey player, Toronto, just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> so, so really, can we talk about how the Minnesota Wild are actually going to get... Uh, there it is. They're, they're going to get their name called on Monday night, uh, you know, the day the day before this episode drops. Uh, so I please send all um, all consulting gigs via the uh, 3v3 at Gmail or 3v3 at Gmail dot com uh, email address because, uh, uh, well, we're just sitting here watching hockey doing a lot of the work for analysts. <laughs> and Mike Milbury. Oh, I was going to say, if, that. <laughs> if, we were, if we were doing work for analysts, I'd just tell you about how they need to try harder and nobody goes to women's sports. And then, you know, be cute and effective on Twitter just by, you know, posting a picture of me holding my shoes saying I'm ready for a fight. And then complain when people talk about certain players' wardrobes. Uh, oh, God, yeah. And, uh, I'm not even going to go into the Jake Muzzin. uh, uh, It's been hashed to death everywhere else. You've heard it. You've probably read about it. Oh, they've got got fans. Fans in the... All four of them. They've got four... They literally have four fans sitting in Mm -hmm. seats in Edmonton. And credit for not doing this when either the Panthers or the Coyotes were playing. Thank you. Thank you, especially the you know the Coyotes in Edmonton. Dear God, yes. Although you think that's going to stop anyone from now making jokes? They even even during a pandemic they draw more than the Coyotes. Even during a pandemic they draw more than the Panthers. Uh-huh. Blah 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 blah. Because that's you know when they posted the tonight's attendance is zero. You know those jokes. You can yeah. see those were coming a mile away. But thankfully, they're not doing it every game. Like, I, I hate to say, some people at the league office have learned just 
make your cute joke once and then move on to something new. Yeah. And it doesn't it, it doesn't get funnier. No. It, it makes a few people chuckle and that's it. Don't draw any more attention to it. No. Don't you're 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 above the age of 13. Repeating a joke doesn't make it funnier. You know. It doesn't? No, it really doesn't. Hmm. The one, I don't know if anyone saw the one they did yesterday, because it was a real quick hit on TV, but it was the, con- the concession stands were remain open throughout the remainder of the game, and it was just a person standing at their fridge. <laughs> I saw that one, yeah. I missed it, or I'm going to blame that one on my kids for fighting. That's, that works. Did they get five? Five each? Well, two and two. I mean, no real punches were thrown. Um, I did have to file some paperwork because there was an assault assault on an official. uh, Oh, all that I needed to make against the uh, the younger player. (laughs) (laughs) Red kids and their red mist these days. I know. Alrighty then. So. Should we go over the current as of 4.30 on the East Coast Sunday afternoon matchups? You mean, yeah, why, are we up for this? Why not? Dallas Stars losing to the St. Louis Blues 1-0. Yeah, that's that's the two one of two outstanding games that we're trying to figure out still. I'm not sure I would call it outstanding. <laughs> it's just a game. It was, but I didn't mean outstanding in that fashion. What? Uh, so, to just upset all kinds of East Coast people, I'm going to start with the Western Conference. We have the Vegas Golden Knights, number one seed versus the number 12 seed, Chicago Blackhawks. Which, good. Because I kind of don't want to see more Chicago than, you know, have to. Uh, Number two, Colorado versus 11, Arizona. The winner of Dallas and St. Louis versus Calgary. The loser of Dallas, St. Louis versus Vancouver. So we have one, two, three, four, seven, eight, 11, 12 seats. Sure. Yeah, why not? And then Eastern Conference is much more settled. Um, Philly, number one Philly versus number 12 Montreal. Could be good. Could be really bad, though. Number two, Tampa Bay versus the winner of Columbus, Toronto, later tonight. Uh, Number three, Washington versus number seven, New York Islanders. And number four, Boston versus number six, Carolina. Thoughts, feelings, requests, dedications. Uh, Arizona and Colorado, seven games, please. Just give me something fun to watch. Oh, they the, literally did put a thank you fans placard up on the on the board too when they showed the fans. Okay, uh, sorry. And did we mention that the fans were socially distanced as well? Yes. We did now. Sorry. So back to but the, sa- the, save that for the Calgary matchup. You know, bingo. Uh, Calgary was probably the one surprise team I expected less from, and they actually put a decent performance in their qualifying uh, round. If by decent you mean they won by attrition, then yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't look bad. But they didn't look uh, super into it playing against, you know, half of the Manitoba Moose in in that series. Uh, But like I said, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona just looks like Darcy Kemper will keep them in games. And if they can just, you know. Hold the other team to less than three goals, they might have a chance to squeak a couple wins out. 
Colorado was not firing on all cylinders, even though I thought they, they and Vegas both individually gave the most effort in their round robin games. From what I could tell, um, they were trying things, uh, even as early as the first period, as I watched Dallas stars, just pass the puck while there's a wide open net. Oh dear Lord. And <laughs> the end this round robin now, please. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, so you're saying that, that it's going to turn out uh, St. Louis St. Louis versus Calgary and Dallas versus Vancouver, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go on. I'm sorry. Um, I'm just hoping this leads to something, you know, something that lasts a little longer than you know a bunch of five game series because I'm I'm anticipating that there's going to be a lot of Okay, I'm sorry. They just hit think, two pipes. Well, I think Corey Perry scored on that one. Are, are they going to go back? The goal judge couldn't see from 300, you know. From 3,000 miles away? Yeah. No, I don't think so. No. You mean being in Banff is in a good position in Edmonton to, you know, <laughs> see the goal? It depends, on if the, it depends on if the, the monitor is in front of your window or away from your window. Yeah, this is true. Uh, also, it, it depends on the size of the monitor. I guess you didn't score. I saw it funny. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, not funny, ha-ha, right? Well, it was Corey Perry. Could be. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. This is hockey. It could be. <laughs> it, it, it is hockey. And it is Corey Perry. So it is kind of funny, ha-ha, mm-hmm. when that stuff happens to him because it's Corey Perry. Um. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Darcy Kemper, man, magic voodoo goalie. We'll see. That's you know that's the only thing I. And I'm I can't believe I'm going to say this because oh my god I'm going to sound like just a moron, but Tockett's got them playing a good structural game and they just have enough speed and threat. That if they don't play run and gun, but they take advantage of their breaks with that speed, it could be an interesting series. Because I agree with you, Pat. I, I don't think Colorado had the foot to the floor. No, no. Just certain guys looked off. They were attempting. Like one thing I've seen in these final qualifier or round robin games is certain players were attempting things that you wouldn't normally see. Uh, Earlier today, Evgeny Kuznetsov was trying some interesting things beyond just, you know, faking a shot when the goalie has the puck smothered to pretend like, oh, it's really loose, Um, which I've heard about ad nauseum every uh, Caps broadcast, unfortunately. But he he, he tried this little behind-the-back spinorama while he was next to the net just to see if something would work just to kind of get his get himself engaged and i haven't seen that out of a lot of players in see this is what happens when when you take hockey players away from hockey their teammates their training programs and everything so their brains defrost mm-hmm and they actually start thinking about what they could do rather than just doing what they always do. Yeah, that's a good point. So what should happen is they should rent out rinks by themselves and tape iPhones to their skates and to the boards and to the Zambonis, even though no one got to see that on television. Uh, I'm still stuck on Cassie saying when their brains defrost. That would be awesome. <laughs> Because, you know, it's like everybody starts training in July. It's like the season's over. They, like, go on vacation for a week, and then they just start picking up. And then they start hitting the ice in July. And I'm like, you realize you don't need to skate until August, right? <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. Look, not everyone can be Phil Kessel, but. But maybe everyone should be. And I am here for that league. Right, because that, that that would harken back to the old Babe Ruth days, right? Kind of. You know, Babe Ruth whacks a homer, goes sit goes sits on the bench, reaches over and grabs a hot dog from the vendor, and 
you know, pounds a couple of Budweiser's and, you know, seventh inning stretch. See, he had to hit home run, home run balls because he couldn't get around the bases all at once anyway. Well, he couldn't run. No, instead of having to run, right, to try and beat the ball somewhere, right. if he just hit it out of out of the park legally. And he, he could trot. Yeah. He could trot around the bases. Yeah, now I know. If he hit it infield, then he couldn't make it to first base, which yeah. is why he... Had to hit it out so he could actually make it to a base and ended up all the way around. Yeah. Now I, I I've known I've I've seen a number of baseball players like that. <laughs> Edgar Martinez kind of comes to mind <laughs> towards the end of his career. <laughs> no, there will be no besmirching of Edgar Martinez on this podcast. I love Gar. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't much of a runner towards hey, the end of his career. He didn't have to. Well, that's what I'm saying, because he, he couldn't. <laughs> he was the Jake Taylor of the Seattle Mariners, except he didn't play catcher. Just sat around and designated him. Anyway, before we get into Mariners, talk too deeply, and I ramble on and on and on and on and on. And on right. On. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking of the number 11. Thank you. Oh, okay. It took me a few minutes to remember what number he wore. I used to be really into baseball. and It's like, was it 11 or 14? Was it 11 or 14? And I... Edgar Martinez is number 11. Yes. Once again, East Coast media elite not paying attention to things that happen on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Except for in 1995. Mm. So, anywho... (laughs) Good... Could a Dallas-Vancouver series be sloppy fun, depending yes. upon who plays in net for Dallas? Because we haven't seen much of much of Ben Bishop. I'm thinking that could be a yawner. I could think. I I don't know that anyone's really going to come out and play for that. All right, then oh. let me let me ask you a different question. Will this convince? Jim Benning, or as I've been talking with some Vancouver fans recently, will this convince Bim Aquilini to do fan? something completely <laughs> stupid? The next GM? No, mm. I, I, I think <laughs> Benning is fine. I think Aquilini is a bigger issue. Fine than, is a uh, relative term. Um. Fair. What, so what do you mean do something stupid like Go. Oh, they're gonna. They could. I can. I absolutely see them winning a series against Dallas, advancing to you know the conference semifinals, and then think they are closer to contention in this abbreviated off season, and make some moves to you know hamper themselves cap wise. You're, and take themselves out of contention in the whatever we're going to call next season. You, you, you make a really good point, Pat, of, of GMs taking what's going on in this tournament a little too seriously. <laughs> Potentially, there could be some really crazy, and especially since the expansion draft is next summer, right? It is. They, they could be making all kinds of assumptions of, of what their team is, is able to do when it's just, you know, a really wacky little tournament and regular rules don't really apply. So, so are you you're thinking like an eight-year nine per for Alex Pietrangelo or re-upping Markstrom, you know, for seven and a half for eight years, you know, basically Luongoing him with uh-huh. a contract? Yeah, all kinds of you know trading guys that like that did poorly during this tournament, but normally are just you know like rock stars and and cough, Brock Besser cough. Yeah, and trading you know trading guys drafting drafting all the kinds of wrong players that they don't really need because they're making bad assumptions based on a two and a half month tournament, you know that kind of thing. And then not not to mention protecting the wrong guys for the expansion draft. Which leads me to, to kind of a weird place. I don't know if we're ready to go there yet. But I'm just going to throw this out there. I had an interesting 
back and forth. Never, you know, just just two just two people, you know, chit chatting and 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 showing their differing opinions on something. Never personal or anything. Anyway, I'm just prefacing it this way because people think on Twitter everything's just you know nasty comments and somebody just calls you a Nazi and walks away. With um, John Barr, also known as NHL to Seattle. And his comment was, Pierre Engvall is going to look really good in the Kraken jersey. And I went, oh, honey, no. And he said, well, who else is going to be available? And I said, <laughs> you know who I said, Pat, right? Um, did he recently change his number last offseason, perhaps? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, might he have the most reasonable contract on the team? Except it's unreasonable. On, uh, it, it's unreasonable when you look at the cap hell they are about ready to enter into. True? Um, wait, John Tavares didn't change his number. I think we're certain to talk about... No, it's William Nylander. Yes. Uh, he will absolutely be unprotected. See? Well, I'm, I'm not the only one who thinks that way because, and and this is going to be very telling come 10.30 Eastern-ish <laughs> or, or sooner or later by an hour. If they lose and win the lottery, oh, dear God. you want to tell me how fast Nylander is going to be looked to drop or they're going to look to drop him? Because they will have a very deep set of wingers, all under reasonable contracts that have proven themselves, and this one guy who everybody still wants to run out of town. I mean, is it is it just is it just like you know the the city's codes in the in the in the code of the cities of of Montreal and Toronto? That they have to have, no matter what, one guy they need to run out of town of the, on their hockey team. Is that is that a law there? Is that a requirement? Do they actually have to do that? Because it seems like every single year there's always someone they need to run out of town. Yes, um, but they have to convince themselves of the reasons and the narratives. Unlike down here in Carolina, what we do is we just have an irrational hate list. Just... Here's some, someone irrational. I, we're looking at you, Lars Eller, on the Washington Capitals. I don't have any reason to really dislike you or want to run you out of Washington, but you're the guy we're going to pick. Um, and last offseason for, for the Canes themselves, it's Justin Falk, who, huh, look at that. He got run out of town for reasons. Um, just everyone needs a scapegoat, but in Toronto and Montreal, it's it's just this is it's what personal. I'm hearing, and it, yeah, because he he's not from Ontario. No, no, despite no, no, no. living half his life in North America. No, 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 no. He's too pretty. No. Uh, no. Nope. He was. If the, they wanted pretty, they would get his brother, who actually looked semi decent. He could, right, he, he looked Dallas. like an NHL player, even on the Blackhawks. That's because he could skate forward and backwards and didn't chase chase everyone around the rank in position. Trip over his feet. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so no. <laughs> Nylander is always going to have that target on his back because he was the first one in the contract hell. Right. He was the first one of the big three, so to speak. Nylander, Marner, Matthews, who put the screws to the team. For what he thought was a fair deal. Uh, and actually sat out a good portion of that season until the very last minute, you know, the RFA signing deadline to sign the deal. And then people found out that that deal had been made earlier. There's, there's supposition that that same offer had been made earlier or whatever. And he's just going to bear that burden for his entire career there. And he makes just enough to be expensive to be one of those bad contracts when you've got other guys taking up more of the pie 
And, you know, you think about, like, the Crosbys and the Malkins. They need their, you know, Buzz Flitterjib and Mark Donk. And they can't have a guy, you know, the Penguins can't have a $7 million winger. Or a a center who is playing wing. That's my other favorite. There we go. I was going to say, wasn't Connor Sheary the... By the laws of, you know, inflation, he was the, couldn't be the $5 million winger on the Penguins. He just ends up getting traded and gets that contract elsewhere for no good reason. Um, But then the one point that you left off, Patrick, it was Nylander going through his contract squabbles and his holdout that caused the fatigue and exhaustion around the Mitch Marner negotiations. Because it was Nylander's fault for all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying, he, you know, he was the first one in there. And it started that whole mess. And, you know, instead of doing the order of get Matthews done, then Marner, then Nylander, you know, they they ended up going in the reverse. And so, you know, and then the whole, I won't say nastiness, but what ended up being nastiness, you know. And then Mitch having his agent that he does. You know, which is just basically everything becomes a, a press event to put pressure on the team. Um, I mean, it's it's not even like the messiness. It's just the fact that, that a player didn't automatically do the submissive thing and take whatever the team was offering. They dared to actually know what their worth was and, or what they thought it was and countered in an obvious and public way. And teams can't have that. Well, you know, and it was brought up a lot, and I'm going to make some parallels here. It was brought up a lot with the whole John Forslund thing, right? It's how dare you come at me with what is fair market value for your services when you should be taking this massive hometown discount to, you know, you show me your loyalty, I don't owe you any. Which is, yeah, typical with companies. It's like you must be loyal to the company, but the company doesn't have to be loyal to you. Not even in the slightest. Get what you can get while you can get it. Yeah, Pretty I don't much. have a problem with that. You know, yeah. if guys if guys say, hey, they've treated me well and I'll take a discount to stay here, then that's their choice. Or you can go to Vancouver. Who will gladly overpay you. Yes. Uh, future, you know, Vancouver Canuck, William Nylander. Coming to you this January? No. Nah. Question mark? Uh, they're going to have to do a bubble again if Major League Baseball is anything to go by. And I mean, I don't know if players would enough players would sign off on that being away from families for six months. Well, uh, or bringing families into the bubble, and how would that work? So, Major League Baseball is definitely not the litmus test, but Major League Soccer may be. That's what I was going to say, Pat. Yeah, I mean, we'll see Uh, what they do because they're a league that they did their little summer bubble tournament and just announced Friday, I believe, that they're going to attempt to restart their season at home stadiums. Right. Right, yeah, actually, I just saw a picture of the Sounders retweeted, I think it was Sir Goldhinder, the picture from his deck on in his house in Bainbridge Island, and they're like, "Oh, must be nice to be able to afford to live on Bainbridge Island." <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you could live on Bainbridge Island, Cassie. You on the on you know on the side that doesn't have a view. <laughs> uh, anywhere the well, yeah, the west side. If you want a right. view of Bremerton, right? I get passage. Uh, anyway, so. <laughs> Well, no, even then, that side's a little pricey, too. But regardless, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting if any league can actually do their season even without fans, without a bubble. Well, the, um, the AHL... You know, basically said, I think December, they were looking to restart somehow. And the WHL is trying to figure out, based on that, 
what they might be able to do and everything I've heard from there is if they can't attain 50% capacity in the AHL ranks um, that's, a, that's a non-starter well and they also can't cross the border well and that's what I'm, I'm not I don't want to throw that out there as, as a blocker because no, I know. Canadian you know, Canada might actually give them preferred status or whatever. Well, I, if they use cohort quarantine, right, which is what they did with the NHL, that's the reason. That, that's the reason they were sort of able to step aside or sidestep their no cross border travel from the U.S. Except here, we'll designate this as a a thing, but it's required be cohort quarantine, as they call it. So everybody that's coming in this group has to have been quarantined prior to this travel. Right, but that was just one time across the board, two times across the border, into Canada and out. Oh, I know that, The but, AHL would be like multiple times across the border unless they scheduled things very creatively. I mean, the, the well, they would. You know, that's that's if they could get a cohort quarantine, that'd be very easy for them just to schedule. You know, like after a, a holiday break or something or a two week lead. For each team, you know, here is your one trip through Canada. Here is your one trip through the U.S. Right. Uh, no, I don't really think it's going to happen unless there's a vaccine. I don't really think that there's going to be an NHL season starting in January unless they can do a bubble and. With including families, which would also include like teachers, <laughs> that sort of thing. I think they'll. Uh, I have a weird feeling they're going to come up with something. I have. A, I. I don't know. I've got this weird, weird feeling that the NHL and the NBA are kind of looking at MLS, and MLS is sort of looking back at those two and saying, "We've got some ideas," and they're going, "We've got some ideas," and then everyone's kind of going, hey, your peanut butter, my caramel, your cookie, huh, huh, huh? Let's make a candy bar. And just figuring out, you know, something clever that they can do to at least maybe regional, right? Maybe. And maybe, and maybe you know, maybe this is an opportunity for that beautiful scheduling idea that I'll credit him. Jonathan Taves came up of playing weekend series. You know? And that yeah. shuts and that shuts everyone else up about the whole we should always do a play in round. No. My radical idea is frickin' thirty one teams, eighty two games, there's your tournament. To determine playoffs. Okay, Pat, do something to save me, because I'm about ready to get ranty. I'm about ready to rant up on this. Okay, you you can do that after we you know stop recording if you must. But all right, so I'm just going to point Blake come out and ask this: Is COVID the perfect opportunity for the CHL to blow up the billet family system? This has been the Three B Three Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3v3podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.